Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems adopt technologies. I am your host, Tiasha Zaitz, and in today's short episode, we will reflect on 2019 and look at expectations in digital health in 2020. You can find the transcript of this show on our website, www.facesofdigitalhealth.com. I reached out to a few top opinion leaders in digital health with a very simple and open-ended question. What are your predictions about trends in digital health and healthcare in 2020? Nine speakers, John Nosta, Rafael Grossman, Aline Nozet, Brian DeFrancesca, Irma Rastegaeva, Eugene Barakovic, Manej Juneja, Nana Bit-Ragim and Levi Shapiro focused on different areas with some common points. But before we dive into the future, let's make a brief overview of some of the digital health-related news that resonated in the media in 2019. While telemedicine is hardly emerging in some of the developing countries, it definitely became a new normal in the US, it seems. Becker Hospital Review made a list of 106 hospitals and health systems that launched telehealth services in 2019, and they don't relate only to chronic care management. Last few years were marked by announcements of tech giants moving into healthcare, and 2019 showed some of their results. Amazon has gone live with their new health service, Amazon Care, which includes both virtual and in-person care with telemedicine via app, chat and remote video, as well as follow-up visits and prescription drug delivery in person directly at an employee's home or office. Amazon and JP Morgan also announced a new health insurance plans as part of the Haven joint venture. Google got into partnership with Ascension Hospital Network and got access to the health records of millions of Americans. The news polarized the public regarding whether this is a sign of exponential progress in better patient care or is it patient data theft that might harm individuals. In Europe, Germany's health minister Jens Spahn is poised to turn Germany from a country which has been lagging behind in e-health development in the EHR space due to data privacy concerns to a pioneer in national e-health development in Europe. The digital supply law passed in November enables doctors to prescribe apps to patients and these apps could be reimbursed by the German statutory health insurance. While countries are developing their national digital health strategies, it seems that cross-border data exchange efforts are also bearing fruit in Europe. Finland became the first country worldwide to exchange e-prescriptions together with Estonia, and new cohorts are joining between 2020 and 2022. In AI development, China made some exciting announcements. The Chinese company Yit Healthcare published the first peer-reviewed article in Nature about the use of natural language processing in healthcare diagnostics. The company used natural language processing to achieve high accuracy rates on par with doctors when reading electronic health records and generating patients' diagnosis. This was the first time for a top medical journal to publish research findings related to employing NLP technology in making clinical diagnoses. While there is a lot of optimism about digital health therapeutics in the digital health community, pharma seems to be losing its excitement to be a part of the game. 
Novartis Division Sandus terminated its commercialization of digital therapeutic design by Peer Therapeutics, and Proteus Digital Health failed its investment round. Nonetheless, Peer Therapeutics and Proteus remain the two most promising digital therapeutics leaders. But enough about the past. Let's dive into the future. As you will hear, experts predict a positive future for digital therapeutics, expect rethinking of the financing models and valuations of startups. A lot of the speakers spoke about the increased change in experience, either of patients receiving care as well as doctors giving it. So let's start there. For an introduction, here are thoughts from speaker, strategist, and digital health evangelist John Nosta, who believes that the focus on experience will guide the development in digital health. The partnership between physicians and tech will be enhanced, and involvement of patients in innovation will increase, he says. When I think about the human experience, it's really both the consumer and patient, we will see a tremendous level of empowerment where patients play a much more proactive role in driving care. That's a common consideration today. However, I think we have to look at that from the flip side, from the perspective of the physician. This is an extraordinarily important opportunity for physicians to shift out of their predictable and complacent role in technology. I believe that there is a certain clinical hegemony that will make physicians be less inclined to adopt innovation. And while that is certainly a practical application driven by patient safety and clinical fear, I still think that we have to shift the physician mindset into a more techno-forward perspective. We need to see the emergence of the physician and technology partnership, almost like a technology group practice, if I dare to be that bold. The role of the physician will be extraordinarily important and be the primary conduit to the patient. But the heavy lifting, the cognitive aspects of care will be shared by technology. And I believe this makes physicians both concerned and threatened. On the technology side, I believe that the role of data as a window into patient management will continue to emerge. There will be advanced analytics that will move beyond the traditional role of image evaluation and pattern detection to actually find unique and new combinations of various clinical data points that will help drive diagnostic and therapeutic modalities in new directions. Among the early adopters of technology is speaker, healthcare futurist and VR surgeon Raphael Grossman, who believes that VR reached a point where we are not talking about potentials of VR anymore, but enacting them. 
Additionally, he believes that AI will enhance many aspects of the clinical practice. I think that within the next uh, three years, for sure, platforms like Magic Leap and HoloLens 2 will really uh, redefine how we interact with the digital uh, world and how we communicate and connect uh, amongst ourselves. I think that uh, uh, the change is going to be real. I think that uh, uh, for learning, for diagnostics, and even intraoperatively, I think that we're going to see these platforms really, really uh, being very helpful. I really believe that uh, between spatial computing slash VR, AR, and XR uh, and uh, artificial intelligence algorithms, I think that those two will really, really redefine how we practice, uh, how we teach uh, healthcare, uh, not just in surgery, but I think across uh, medicine uh, in general. The best uh, human uh, worker, the best uh, surgeon, the best physician is the one who is going to be augmented uh, by uh, artificial intelligence algorithms. On the treatment side, VR is already used in many areas, says industry observer, social media influencer and digital storyteller and all-around innovation catalyst Irma Rastigaeva. The virtual reality VR applications to manage chronic pain and reduce distress are getting traction in hospitals. Using VR for PTSD increased in 2019 and use of such digital therapeutics will continue to grow in 2020 including novel approaches for conditions such as COPD and developmental disorders. Apart from new technologies, coaches will play an integral part of the enhanced experience in healthcare, says Eugene Barukovic, head of Bayer's G4A. The word experience, as in health experience, will become much more used by many more companies as a lot of technical IP have been developed over the number of years. A lot of product excellence have been developed uh, over the last few years and now moving into the third pillar of an actual experience around health. As many people say, human intelligence will continue being better than artificial intelligence and therefore the importance of health coaches will come in uh, in 2020 even more as the digital therapeutic companies um, as well as hospital systems that cannot sustain the administrative staff uh, any longer from a cost perspective will move the health guides even closer to the edge um, of the health consumer and the patient. Another fundamentally changed experience are becoming clinical trials. Here is Irma Rastigaeva again. Virtual or remote clinical trials are starting to gain traction. They can help increase trial enrollment, decrease dropout rates, and potentially gather more data with better patient comfort. Trial measurements, such as vital signs, could be automatically captured by wearable devices and seamlessly shared with clinical and research teams. AI and other technologies can identify changes in patient behavior and activity patterns and immediately alert study investigators. Another important advantage of decentralized clinical trials is the potential for continuous outcome measurement, which may provide a better assessment of the drug efficacy compared to a less frequent measurement taken during hospital visits, which is typical in traditional trial protocols. Drug development and medication prescribing is evolving with digital therapeutics. While DTX had a rough year because of partnership terminations, digital health opinion leaders believe they have a bright future ahead. This is what Digital Health Connector Aline Nozet argues. 
2020 will be key for digital therapeutics. 2019 was a very active year with great advancement. And I think that 2020 will bring the results that the market is actually expecting to prove that DTX are working, based especially on the, on the learnings from 2019. And we will also have a, a clear idea on what business model works. And here again, Irma Rastigaeva. A recent report by Juniper Research found that the market for digital therapeutics will expand rapidly over the next five years, growing over 1,000% to reach more than $32 billion in revenues in 2024, with biggest applications for digital therapeutics projected to be diabetes and weight loss, generating more than $19 billion in the next five years. While the term digital therapeutic may still be unfamiliar to many, these therapies are here to stay. Digital therapeutics are becoming a new category of medicine, poised to address chronic and other hard-to-treat conditions. While much work remains for digital therapies to be integrated into and across the traditional healthcare ecosystem, digital therapeutics will increasingly influence the way healthcare is delivered and consumed around the world. Eugene Barukovich argues that the future of DTX development lies in the involvement of the tech giants. I predict that next year the digital therapeutics companies will uh, cut a, a little bit closer as well with tech giants. Or let me rephrase this. Uh, I think some of the tech giants will start paying much more attention to digital therapeutics. So while we're talking about the tech giants and their efforts in healthcare, Levi Shapiro, founder of MHealth Israel, believes no one can match Amazon's power to innovate due to the free capital available for innovation. Shapiro predicts that in 2020, 25% of the U.S. households with an Amazon Echo will look to Alexa for healthcare information and services. He also predicts an increasing number of healthcare providers will announce their own venture capital funds and take further steps into biopharma development, including pre-commercialization funds and partnerships for early-stage drug development. And U.S. providers will begin to move beyond their own geographies and increase their share of revenue from outside the United States through licensing and partnership, says Levi Shapiro. A forward-thinking leader and next-generation healthcare ecosystem builder Nanabit Aragim expects the rise of retail health in Europe. 2020 in Europe will be the year of retail health. It's a less-known direction, less-developed direction of uh, digital health, and I would say ecosystems health uh, in Europe. Here the core value will be how retail businesses can act on to improve people's experience. This would require deep insights into the healthcare sector as well as the retail growth models. Patients will gain improved access to care. Retail will develop and grow the new business models. And physicians will have more flexibility and choices as well as investors, obviously, uh, acquire long-term hopefully stable returns. The outlook is quite promising, especially for the countries uh, that foster the right conditions for retail health consolidation. Let me give you one uh, most recent example. Uh, it's a Chinese uh, biggest technology-powered financial service group, kind of uh, Amazon, I would say, probably not correctly to, to call that, but it's a biggest uh, financial service group in China with an arm in healthcare, uh, they called uh, Pink and 
good doctor, signed a strategic collaboration with Merck, one of the oldest uh, German pharmaceutical company, to jointly explore integrated solutions by building intelligent healthcare in China. I would like to underline that, intelligent healthcare in China. Super interesting example. According to the joint media release, Pink and uh, Good Doctor and Merck will also jointly explore how to break down the barriers between online and offline healthcare. Means that it will be more interesting and uh, new retail models connecting retail pharmacies, hospitals, and the primary healthcare, especially in the rural areas, by establishing omnichannels retail system. I think it's a quite promising direction and development. Next year, we will experience more integrated solution, especially in the hospitals. Thanks to changing reg- regulatory environment, value-based models will be more recognized and implemented to streamline innovations and incentivize healthcare providers to apply those tailored solutions. Plus, a fast evolution of consumer health will open new opportunities for healthcare providers to democratize it. That means that our living rooms will become kind of a hospitals. I strongly believe we will see more open innovation models inside the hospitals. This is one of the projects that I'm working currently to build kind of a hospital of the future. And that solutions will help to design it design and open the dialogue with all relevant stakeholders, including peers, healthcare professionals, entrepreneurs, and the patients group. It will significantly boost German market, one of the biggest healthcare markets in Europe. While we're talking about Europe, Lili Shapiro and Aline Mazet are keeping their eyes on Germany. In terms of regulation, uh, Germany opened the way this past month. And I, I hope that in 2020, um, other countries will follow and do the same. Another trend in healthcare delivery in the US are on-site health clinics, which are an increasingly common novelty introduced by the US employers. The trend will continue to grow, says Irma Rastigayeva. What used to be a rare perk by hot tech companies like Google, technology-enabled employee health and wellness programs are now a much more frequent occurring. The on-site health clinics are designed to save money for employers by increasing employee attendance at work by saving time on off-site medical appointments, but they also emphasize preventative health care and improve patient experience. According to a survey by Mercer, one-third of U.S. employers with at least 5,000 employees offered general medical worksite clinics in 2017. This employer trend to deploy novel care delivery and digital health-enabled solutions to keep their workforce workforce healthy and reduce overall healthcare costs will continue. Digital health futurist Manesh Juneja sees a shift in motivation of organizations to innovate. He believes the new driver will not be solemnly profit. So in 2020, what I'm seeing as a trend is that um, organizations in healthcare aren't thinking just about well, what are the best clinical outcomes or how can we make uh, the most amount of profit from this product or service? But they're starting to think about things like trust and responsible innovation and ethics and values and humanity and in terms of actually, well, what's the impact of our new products and service on society? Is it going to potentially uh, widen social inequalities in health or could it actually be used to decrease them? And actually, how do we 
whatever we bring to market, how do we work with the communities that we're looking to serve to ensure that they're designed for the right people and we get the feedback from the beginning. But actually, uh, this is an innovation that um, goes above and beyond healthcare to make a difference in society. This is quite a radical shift in the mindset and Nanabit Aragim predicts that a shift will also have to happen in the development of new knowledge transfer models and new fundraising models. So we have to democratize the process of knowledge translation to make this process quite transparent and accessible by enabling scientists working in either academia or industry to apply the inventions and innovations much faster and more effectively. The universities and research centers need new strategies, new incentives, and the new metrics for radical innovation. I think the major question will remain, still remain, unfortunately, how to catalyze innovations in health and life sciences. I believe this area is still quite undisrupted worldwide. There is a couple of interesting concepts uh, which proved over the years its efficiency, but we need to contribute more and to bring more change, not linear one, but more exponential change in direction of application and building a more open innovation in knowledge transfer and technology transfer. I would like also to touch uh, one of the disappointing areas in digital health, in my view, its investment area. Venture investors have to formulate the strategies which works in healthcare. The investment partners coming from tech cannot be applied for health tech. The local context and the long-term impact must be considered. Uh, the principle of one-size-fits-all doesn't work in healthcare anyway, anyhow. We need people who think differently. We need to educate investors about the healthcare and life sciences. And I think more experiments with incentives in investment areas will come um, along during the year, in the next couple of years. So kind of a payment for results, outcome-based payments, value-based contracting, and so on and so on. I strongly believe the partnerships driven by local communities uh, will build a possible mechanism of joint ownership and uh, and empowered responsibility that everybody becomes a shareholder. We have to look for a more sustained financial models. In that case, I think the government has to play an essential role. And finally, as Neil Koshla said, finding the problems is a finding opportunities. To add to that, Eugene Barukovic expressed the need to rethink valuations in fundraising. The other night at dinner, uh, somebody asked about a startup and another person answered, uh, they're doing really well. They raised X, whatever the X was. And it dawned on me that we need to start talking about valuations uh, next year, uh, but actually focus on value. And I uh, would love to see, um, and it dawned on me that we need to start talking about valuations uh, next year, uh, but actually focus on value. And I uh, would love to see um, as these larger raises get established um, that part of the metric is how many lives touched um, and what would be the outcomes needed to even raise that kind of a money uh, from a patient impact perspective or a health consumer. 
Ryan DeFrancesca, CEO of Vertu Telemedical Company based in Dubai and active in the Middle East and Africa, expects increased involvement of telecommunications regulators in digital health as well as advancements in quantum computing. You will start engaging with your country's telecommunication regulators because digital health will be stillborn without the understanding and support of the telecom regulators. You will take a quantum leap forward in understanding if and when quantum computers will be commercially viable for healthcare applications. When this day eventually comes, the entire healthcare industry will be blindsided by the massive impact this will have on all aspects of care. The pharma industry in particular will total, be totally re-engineered for the better. The pharma industry in particular will be totally re-engineered for the better. The countries of Africa will start utilizing artificial intelligence in healthcare at a broader and more rapid pace than the more developed countries. Before we wrap up, Irma Rastigaeva and Nana Bit Aragim also have their eyes on biotech development, especially 3D printing. 3D bioprinting and biotechnology will be on the rise in 2020. Let me please give you some examples. Cellink, uh, a Swedish uh, company, uh, will potentially make possible to 3D print human organs, the whole human organs and tissues. Or CAR-T's uh, T-cell therapies, it's a relatively new type of cancer immunotherapy, will expand the applications in, in oncology. Uh, CRISPR-Cas, we will learn a lot about the new prime editing. This is for me sort of like a next generation of CRISPR-Cas technologies. The prime editing is a new uh, gene editing tool uh, which allows greater precision and more control over DNA edits uh, in comparison to the traditional CRISPR-Cas system. That will open, obviously, new perspectives. The 3D printing industry is estimated to grow to approximately $6 billion by 2024, according to the 3D printing progress. Prosthetics, hip and knee replacements, and other implants, tissue, medicines, and hearing aids are expected to drive 3D printed products in life sciences and biotech. A subset of 3D printing used to produce natural tissues is called bioprinting. In this process, special biomaterials such as cells and growth factors are combined to form bio-ink. There are many current medical applications of 3D printing, including prosthetics, dental applications, tissue, organs, bones, muscle, and skin. Beyond actual use in medical treatment, this technology plays a role in medical research, surgical planning, medical education and training, and even in drug delivery. The emerging applications of 3D printing technology in a medical space that we will see in 2020 and beyond include ligaments, fully functional bionic eye, entire complex organs like lungs, and 3D printing of personalized drug delivery devices, not just medications themselves. The precision, speed, and cost-effectiveness of 3D printing ushers a new era of personalized patient care. Dear listeners, this is it for this episode. I would like to sincerely thank all the speakers that contributed to this show. And to you, my dear listeners, happy holidays and a prosperous new year. This was Faces of Digital Health and our next episode will be published in January. Until then, enjoy the content on our website www.facesofdigitalhealth.com or browse through episodes wherever you get your podcasts. 
leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast as your support is the fuel for this show. Stay tuned. <laughs>